You guys don't know how thankful I am every time I make it up here without falling. And I may not be that graceful during the fall, but I will stick the landing. (laughs) What a privilege it is to share this evening. I love the theme that our pastor has chosen, with him all the way. And as Christians, as believers, isn't that our desire? The title or theme for tonight's message is Through the Cheering Crowd, and the text we are going to look at is John 12, 12 through 19. But this scripture passage starts with the words, the next day. The next day. It seems like something important must have happened on the day prior. What was it? And when I read the words next day, it's like this story is building up. Like this great thing happened, but then, but then the next day. And we are going to be living a lot of next days during this, this season of Lent. Because significant stuff is going to happen, but then it's the next day. The next, it's, it's even better the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And it's just going to build and keep building until resurrection morning. But the next day, previous to, to this one, um, was Jesus had come to Bethany, which is a little town just outside of Jerusalem at the base of the Mount of Olives, and Lazarus was there. And this is the Lazarus who Jesus had raised from the dead just a few days prior And it seems like there was a gathering of a celebration of that resurrection, a celebration of life. And you would think that there would be all kinds of lessons we would learn about that resurrection. And if I was there, I would be saying, Lazarus, what was it like? What was it like to be dead? And where were you? And then, to, and then to come back. And Jesus, what, what steps did you go through? We don't get any of that. None of it. What we get is we get as the disciples and Jesus are reclining at the table, we get that Mary came, comes in with expensive perfume, lets her hair down, She anoints the feet of Jesus and wipes them with her hair. That's what we get. And then the next day. And the the theme of this series is with him all the way. And I have a question for you guys. Was Mary with him all the way? I think we have to say yes. But I'm going to read the text for you this evening. It's, it's taken from John 12, 12 through 19. Uh, please stand with me out of respect for God's word. <clears throat> John 12, 12 through 19 in Jesus' name. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see, you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you for this word. We thank you for its truth. We ask that you would sanctify us in this truth. We ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So with him all the way. You think of when you think of with him all the way. Do I want to go with him all the way? Don't we all want to go with him all the way? I hope we do. And when I first asked myself that question, when I started thinking about this, um, I said, absolutely. Absolutely, I want to go with him all the way. And then I started, the more I started thinking about it, and this is, this is my typical MO, I want to think things to death. Um, but there are ramifications to that statement of saying I want to go with him all the way. Are there any Lord of the Rings fans here? And, and if you're not a Lord of the Rings fan, you absolutely should be. Um, but, but in the first movie, I mean, it, it, the, the, books are, the books are fantastic. Uh, and this is one of the few series where, where the film is almost as good. Um, but in the, in the first movie, The Fellowship of the Ring, a group was forming. And this group was going to take the Ring of Power and it was going to bring it into enemy lands. And it needed to find this crack in this active volcano called Mount Doom and there take the Ring of Power and cast it in. And that was the only way to destroy this ring. It's a great story. But as this group was forming and being formed, and it was kind of a motley group, they didn't all really like each other very well, but they were united in purpose. And as the group was just about to be announced, two small hobbits jump out of the bushes and they say, we want to go. And when they were finally allowed to go, one of them looks at his companion, smiling, and says, where are we going? And I can laugh at that, and I can see myself in that a little, especially when I was younger. Now I ask more questions. I want to know the details. When I was much, 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 much younger, there's a lot of muches in here. Um, I loved going with my dad. And it didn't matter where we were going. The expectations that he put on me were the most minimal. 
What were the expectations? He said, you want to come with me? Of course I did. He said, climb in the car, let's go. I loved my dad. I loved just being with him. I didn't question if he was prepared or if he had things under control. I didn't worry about leaving behind my precious toys and making sure they were put away. I climbed in. I loved him. I just wanted to be with him. I wanted to go along. Now I need to know all kinds of things. First of all, where are we going? Are we prepared? How long are we going to take? Do we have what we need to get there? What am I missing? What will I miss if I go? And what will I miss if I stay here? How long are we going to be gone? What are we going to do when we get there? Who else is going to be there? How much will it cost? And is it going to be worth it? And most importantly, is there cell service there? I don't want my, my relationship with my Heavenly Father to be like that. I want to throw caution to the wind and say, I am with you all the way. Jesus, I am with you all the way. And I'm not saying that the trip is going to be without hardship. But I would be with him. Am I prepared to be with him all the way? Go with him all the way? Do I understand where Jesus is going? Do I even really want to go? Am I prepared to be that dependent on Jesus? So the first question, are we, am I, prepared to go with him all the way? The crowd is cheering. It seems like a celebration. What is there to prepare for? Let's go. The apostles thought they were prepared, and and Peter even declared it. In Matthew 26, and let me read that for you, 26, 30 to 35. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And then Peter answered him and said, Even if I must die, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Now I tend to throw Peter under the bus a little bit here uh, for stating so boldly that I, I am with you. I will not deny you. Even if I must die, I will not deny you. But Peter wasn't alone. The last sentence in those verses is all the disciples said the same. All of them said that. They were with Jesus. In so many words, they had declared, we are with you all the way, even to death. But they didn't understand. They, they missed the signs. They weren't prepared. What did they miss? I want to spend a little time talking about some things that, at least in my mind, looking back, it seems like they should have picked up on. That hymn they sang before going to the garden was likely Psalm 118, 
And verse 25 and 26 of that psalm say, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Compare that to verse 13 of our text this evening, which says, So they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Now, you would think that just one of them, just one of those with Jesus would have said, after singing that hymn in the upper room, what was that phrase that the people were, were crying out when we entered Jerusalem? What, what was that? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Wasn't that blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord? How, 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 do we, how do we miss that? How did they miss that? Also, the crowd was crying out, Hosanna. The definition of Hosanna is, save us, we pray. Furthermore, the root word for Hosanna and the root word for the name Jesus both mean save. The jubilant crowd that greets Jesus on his entry into Jerusalem is pleading with him to save them and simultaneously, joyously greeting the one they believe can and will save them. I'm a big fan of the term um, scripture, interpreting scripture. And I will be the first to admit that I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. And most days, I don't feel even like a worthwhile tool. But I love how the Bible interprets itself for us. It helps give me a small glimpse of how great our God is and his great love for us. I want to say... When, when you see all of those scripture interpretations of scripture, them tying themselves together, it makes you want to say, Jesus, I'm with you all the way. Another missed opportunity that the disciples had was when Jesus entered Jerusalem. The text in verse 15 says, Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. This is a direct quote from Zechariah 9.9, which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now remember, the title for this evening is Through the Cheering Crowd. The crowd is cheering, Save Us. The people are cheering. The prophesy, prophecy of Zechariah is finally, finally coming true. The king is coming. He is bringing salvation. And the smart people that write commentaries say that the people were looking for a king that would put the Romans in the place. The people were finally, were saying, finally, we're going to have a king. The cheering crowd is, cry, crowd is crying out, we're with you all the way. It's fun to be on a winning team, isn't it? And I want to be careful that I'm not reading too much into this, but the text in John 12 doesn't include the full quote from Zechariah. It doesn't include the words righteous 
and it doesn't include the word humble. The people were looking for a conquering king. They are cheering, thinking that finally, finally, we get a win. We have a win coming. We're with you all the way, Jesus. But it seems like somebody would have said, wait, wait a minute. Jesus, if you are coming here as a conquering king and we are all celebrating you as a conquering king, why are you on a donkey? If you are going to set things right, shouldn't you be on a big white stallion, a big war horse? Rulers don't ride donkeys. You know who does ride a donkey? Priests and the poor people. That's our Jesus. And, and, and even if you're not riding a war horse, at least you should be marching at the front of an army to overthrow the Romans. Now, if you take this scripture and we put it into context, Not only were crowds following Jesus into Jerusalem because of what has happened with Lazarus, but there were already crowds of people coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. According to the Jewish historian Josephus, Jewish law required that you sacrifice a lamb at Passover, and that lamb was to live with your household for at least three days. There had to be lambs everywhere. This same Josephus estimated there were 256,000 lambs slain in Jerusalem for that Passover. In other words, lambs everywhere. Now put, put yourself in, the, in this scripture passage. Jesus is entering the city of Jerusalem. It is Passover week, so Jerusalem is full of people. Jerusalem is swollen with people. And as Jesus comes into the city, the crowd is shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And as Jesus is entering Jerusalem, he is surrounded by lambs. There are lambs everywhere. And Jesus is in the midst of them. And it seems like at least one of his disciples would have said, What was it that that crazy Nazarene used to say? You know know that crazy Nazarene, John, John the Baptist? What What did he say? Oh, yeah, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And if they would have said that, what would have their next thought have been? Jesus? Jesus is the Lamb of God. In order to take away the sins, the Lamb needs to be sacrificed. And what would the disciples say? What would I have said? Jesus? And then the question, are we still with him all the way? We've already referenced Psalm 118 and that that Psalm 118 was probably the hymn that was likely sung after the Passover. But there is something else from that psalm that I would like to point out. 
and it is relevant to this passage in John because it answers the question of where are we going? It also starts to answer the question, how much will this cost? I'm going to read those verses from Psalm 118, verses 26 and 27. Uh, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. Where are we going? We finally have that question of where we are going answered. We are going to the altar. Are you following what I'm saying? Are we, am I, still with him all the way? Oswald Chambers has a devotional about this, and I'm just going to read a little portion of it. It says, Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You must be willing to be placed on the altar and go through the fire, willing to experience what the altar represents, burning, purification, and separation for only one purpose the elimination of every desire and affection not grounded in or directed toward God. But you don't eliminate it. God does. You bind the sacrifice to the horns of the altar and see to it that you don't wallow in self-pity once the fire begins. After you have gone through the fire, there will be nothing that will be able to trouble or depress you. When another crisis arises, you will realize that things cannot touch you as they used to do. Tell God you are ready to be poured out as an offering as Paul did in 2 Timothy 4.6, and God will prove himself to be all you ever dreamed he would. I like Oswald Chambers' devotions. So here we get to this question of cost. When we declare we are with him all the way, how expensive is it? What does it cost? And there really isn't a wrong answer. Because the answer is both yes, it is expensive, and the answer is no, it's not expensive at all. And here is a beautiful paradox about this relationship that God wants with us. If we take this journey with Jesus... It will cost us absolutely everything. Our Heavenly Father is asking us to join his Son as he travels through the cheering crowd. But remember, the destination is the cross, and we are to leave absolutely everything there. So what will will this cost us? The answer is absolutely everything. We are called to die to ourselves and leave it all on the altar. You can also say, this costs us absolutely nothing. And you would be correct again. Jesus says, come, our cost is nothing because he paid it. If you ever doubt his love for you, think about how Jesus referred to his coming crucifixion. Hebrews tells us that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So how expensive is this trip? If we are doing the trip correctly, it will cost us everything. But it isn't expensive. The price is already paid. 
The price for your ticket was the blood of the lamb. Are we prepared? What are we missing? Where are we going? What is the cost? That brings us to our final question. And that question, is the trip worth it? Do we join the cheering crowd and say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Now you and I, we have the advantage of seeing how God revealed his salvation plan through his lamb, this Jesus that went to the cross because of his love for us. His love for you and me, he took the penalty for our sin, your penalty and my penalty. With him all the way through the cheering crowd, is the trip worth it? And there is a right answer to that question. The problem is that I can't answer that for you. That is a question that you must answer. I have a Facebook account, and I and I don't really have a I don't I don't have a ton of Facebook friends. So if someone I remotely know sends me a friend request, I accept it. Now, if it's a female, I will run that by my girlfriend. And if she says, okay, then I will accept that one too. And I I got one of those requests from Laura Lee Munfram. And so, yes, we are friends now. So Gwen gave her the okay. But she shared this meme recently. When a church changes their values to match current culture, they're no longer following the Bible, they're following the lost. And it was from a group um, called Time with Jesus. And I'm going to read that again. When a church changes their values to match current culture, they're no longer following the Bible, they're following the lost. Now, I'm going to take that to the next step. And I think we all need to take that to the next step and make it personal. And that is when a Christian believer changes their values to match current culture, they're no longer following Jesus. They're following the lost. So in other words, if we aren't with him all the way, Who are we with? And if you can't say, I am with him all the way, I would implore you to look to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Join the cheering crowd in saying, Hosanna, save us. Save me. And I would like to leave you with a crowd cheering worthy statement from Hebrews 12.2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, with him all the way. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is living and active and enduring.
We ask that your word would be living and active in us as we leave this place. And I I would ask and pray that that we would, as a church body, um, praise you. Yes, Hosanna, save us, save me, but also hallelujah. And praising you for all you have done in, in your salvation plan. Thank you for this evening and this season of Lent. We ask these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.